Yes, he's a forward, a prop. He got invited to church by a, a friend who was a Christian. And after a few weeks, he signed up to do a Christianity Explained course, a bit like our Christianity Explored course that we run here at Charlotte. And eventually, he became a Christian. Now, I say eventually because he knew that it was true for quite a while. But he kept holding off from following Jesus because there were some things in his life that he just didn't want to change. A friend gave him a book by John Chapman called A Fresh Start. I think we might even have it in the book room downstairs. And he started reading it in the airport lounge before he was about to board a flight. And in it, John warns that some people don't become Christians because they leave it too late. And they miss out on the opportunity of receiving God's forgiveness through Jesus because they just keep putting it off, thinking they'll do it another day. And various stories of people who put it off too late. And as he thought about getting on the plane, he thought, I really don't want to make that mistake. And so right there and then, he asked God to forgive his sins. And he thanked God that uh, Jesus died to pay the price for his sins. And he asked God to change his heart so that he would follow the risen Lord Jesus as the most important person in his life. And he did it right there and then. In that uh, airport lounge, he became a Christian. And he experienced great joy and just a great sense of peace. He knew something had changed. He, he now belonged to Christ. Well, uh, a month or so later, he plucked up courage on the Sunday that he was due to be baptized he plucked up his courage to stand up in front of church and tell everybody his story about why he was getting baptized, why he was identifying his life with Jesus Christ. And everybody who heard his story was so encouraged. They were so uh, just, just overjoyed to hear how God had saved another person. Well, Bill went home that night to an empty flat. And as he got home, he just started getting these overwhelming thoughts who do you think you are standing up in front of people saying you're a Christian what a joke you've really messed up your life Bill think about all the ways you've really screwed up you're never going to be able to keep hanging on to Jesus you're never going to stick this out and he just had this sort of overwhelming desire just to go down to the pub and get absolutely Drunk. Bluted. Now what was going on? Well, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. See what God has to say. And you'll find this on page uh, 1177 in the church Bibles. 1177. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to take the time to read this section from verse 10 to the end. But this morning we're just going to focus on one verse, verse 18. But let's take time to read the whole section. Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, right-hand column, top of the page. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. 
Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is God's word. Now, keep your Bibles open to that passage, because this, this part of God's word alerts us to this fact, that our lives are lived in the context of warfare. Thankfully, we don't have um, to worry about grenades, uh, machine gun fire, explosions here in the UK, but nevertheless, we are living in a spiritual battlefield. That's what this verses, verses tell us. And... and when it comes to living for Jesus, we face three great opponents uh, in the Bible, uh, according to the Bible. Number one, the world, a world which is largely opposed to Christ, and we've been thinking about that in some of our hymns. Secondly, the flesh, which is not sort of to mean our, our flesh and bone so much, as it means that there is within each one of us an ongoing desire to rebel against God. There is within us still... Uh, contrary desires that kind of want to go against what God wants for us in our life and, and, and compete with the work of God's Spirit in our lives. And thirdly, the devil, a real uh, supernatural being who with his uh, authorities and powers is seeking to attack God's people and to destroy lives. The world, the flesh, and the devil. And that's what chapter 6, verse 12 tells us about the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So, although we look out there and it looks to us, everything around us tells us we live in peacetime, uh, God's word alerts us, no, we're living in wartime. 
There is a real threat. There is a real opponent. And we need to be aware of this when we uh, start the Christian life. And this is what was going on in Bill's life that night of his baptism. Having stood up for Jesus, having given public testimony his faith in Jesus, he, he basically got himself into the crosshairs of the evil one who wants to shake God's people down. He, he loves nothing more than to take those who stood and said something for Jesus and, and to neutralize them and to destroy them. And that's what was going on with Bill that very night. He was experiencing, as it says in verse 16, the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so the question is, how do you stand your ground when you're under spiritual attack? How are we, as a church, going to stand our ground in 2012? How are we, in our, in our lives, going to stand our ground in 2012? Well, part of the answer is found in our motto verse for this year. It's Ephesians 6, verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. There's two things that this verse um, says are essential if we're going to stand our ground in this spiritual fight. Firstly, constant prayer. The big idea is that phrase, pray in the Spirit. And there are four alls linked to this. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, uh, always persevering, for all the Lord's people. But the big idea is pray in the Spirit. Let's think about it. With all prayers and requests, pray in the Spirit, it says. Now, what, what does this mean? What is prayer? Well, our book of the month is a very helpful book. I've, I've just basically read it this week, and I can heartily commend it to you. Uh, rush down and get a copy. Uh, £6.50, what a bargain. But they point out, they clear a lot of confusion about what prayer is not. But this is what they say what prayer is. And this is a very simple idea. Prayer is simply asking God for things. It's simply asking God for things. Now, it's great when we talk to God to also engage in thanksgiving, to thank God. And it's great too to uh, confess our sins to God. But the essence of prayer is to ask God for things. I visited the White House in Washington, D.C. On, on two occasions, and there was a huge process involved in even getting into the building. Uh, there was a security station outside, and you, and you got checked. You couldn't take a bag in, and you, uh, you, 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 you went through several lines of security, and then finally we were allowed to walk to the east wing, the sort of the staterooms of, of D.C., and you walked past uh, lots of uh, severe-looking people with guns, and you knew that there were special troops on the roof. You'd occasionally see a sort of a, a sniper rifle bobbing about up there, and you, you walked in there. But imagine with me... Uh, Tony Payne and, and, and Philip Jensen give this illustration. Imagine that you could just park your car outside the White House and, and just smile at the guards as you walk in. They won't check. You just smile at them. You, you walk in. You come up to the front door and uh, the people greet you by name. You're, you're brought in. There's several layers of security as you walk into the, the White House and e each time they just smile at you and say hi and you walk straight past. You walk down the corridors of the White House and you come to the door that you've been coming to and the door opens up and there you are in the Oval Office. 
and there, there's the man standing behind the desk, and you say, hello, Dad. I was just um, popping by, and I thought I'd just come in and uh, see how you are. And actually, I've got a few favors to ask of you. Well, how amazing, eh? If you could have that level of access to the most powerful uh, man in the world. A man that would, you know, not only uh, be glad you were there, but would be happy to, to try and sort out whatever he could to, to help you out. Amazing to have that relationship. Well, of course, what we have as Christians is far more glorious than that, isn't it? We know the King of Kings. We know the President of Presidents. We know the Supreme Creator and Ruler of all things. And uh, this, uh, this God is one who should really um, be against us as enemies. And yet, in his amazing love, he has decided to forgive our sins and adopt us into his family so that actually at any time, uh, at any stage of our life, he is glad that we should approach his throne room of grace. And he invites us to ask him whatever we want to ask him. And he is a God who loves to give good gifts. Uh, This is the God who kind of made the president of the United States out of dust. Who, uh, in a sense, the the White House is like a monopoly piece on his board. Uh, his, 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 His retinue are angels with flaming swords. And yet we just can breeze into his presence and say, Hello, Dad. Hey, I've got a few things to ask you about. Could you help me? And he's delighted. Now that is the great privilege of the Christian. The great privilege of the Christian. And and, and it's extraordinary that we come and do this. But actually, it's not just a privilege. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 tells us it is a necessity. It is a necessity if we want to stand our ground in spiritual warfare that we come and approach his throne of grace with our requests and our prayers. With all kinds of prayers and requests. The word prayers and requests basically mean the same thing. And it basically means this, asking God for things. And so Paul urges as he finishes off this letter, as he, as he paints this picture of the spiritual warfare, he, he puts a great emphasis alongside all the armor on the place of prayer. Make sure, church in Ephesus, make sure, people at Charlotte Chapel, that you pray. That you ask God. That you come before Him. This is how you will stand your ground in spiritual warfare. Pray in the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Is, is praying in the Spirit like some special sort of prayer? Is it like regular prayer and then, wow, prayer in the Spirit? It, what, what does it mean? Does it mean that it, we should speak in tongues? Um, well, I don't believe that that is the case. First uh, Corinthians is a letter that deals with that issue of tongue speaking, and it makes it quite clear that not everyone at that time had the gift of speaking in tongues. And yet here in, in, the, in the letter of Ephesians, Paul is addressing the whole church. This is for all the people. This is expected of all of them that they engage in this praying in the Spirit. So what does it mean? Well, if we took the time to just read through the whole letter of, the, of Ephesians, you would, you would see this about the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit comes into the life of every believer and seals them as belonging to God. One of the great marks of being a Christian is that you receive the Spirit in your life. God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, comes into our lives, makes his home in us. So we're sealed by the Spirit. And because we've received the Spirit, we can have confident access to the Father, Paul writes in this letter. And as a church of gathered uh, believers, we are together a home, a house, where God dwells by His Spirit. This is just the great privilege of gathering together, isn't it? That we give tangible expression that, uh, that not so much this building, but as we as this people gather together, this is a house where God dwells by His Holy Spirit. What a privilege. There is a sense in which we experience the presence of God in a unique way as we gather together, in a way that we don't when we live our lives separately and, and out and about. This is the great privilege of gathering, isn't it? To become a house in which God dwells by his Holy Spirit. And in chapter 5, it also says, you know, instead of getting filled up and drunk on wine, we should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so prayer in the Spirit, I mean, I, I believe, means to be prompted and guided by this indwelling Spirit that God has given us in our prayers. Now, how do we know that we're prompted and guided by the Spirit? Well, the key is in the verse before. Look at verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. Do you see the link? If we want to be unmistakably clear what is the promptings and the guidings of the Spirit, we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Um, it is a great thing to be reading God's Word and taking up its teaching and praying it into our lives. Have we not noticed this at the church at prayer, month by month by month, as we look at the prayers in God's Word, that, that it encourages us to pray things that we would never imagine praying for ourselves. Our prayers are so limited, and God says, actually, I want, I want to give you way more than you could ever imagine. Pray about these things. And Paul has been modeling this even in this letter to the book of Ephesians. So if you want to know what it means to pray in the Spirit, well, see how Paul prays for them. Turn back to chapter 1 and verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I have not stopped giving thanks for you. So he gives thanksgiving. And also remembering you in my prayers. I've been praying for you. I've been asking God for things for you. And what, is, what has he been asking God to do for them? Well, you just, just read on. I've kept asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you'll know him better. I'm praying that God's spirit will help you know God better. That's what he's praying for them. And he's praying that the eyes of their heart, verse 18, would, would, would be opened up so they'd be able to fully see what? The hope to which he's called them. Our Christian friends, we have not grasped the greatness of the hope that, that is ours in the gospel. We haven't. We have not got how big this gospel is and how big the hope is awaiting for us. And we need the Spirit of God to open our eyes to see how big the hope is. 
And he's also praying for them that they would know how much God loves them and how much they as his saints, his people, are God's glorious inheritance that he delights in. And I, he's saying, I'm praying that you'll know how uh, wonderful you are in God's eyes, that you are his inheritance. And do you realize what you've got together in him? And I'm praying that you'll get that. And I'm praying too uh, that you'll get, verse 19, the incomparably great power that is at work for us who believe through the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is modeling what it means to pray in the Spirit, to pray these big prayers for God's people. Oh, that, the, that God's people would know him better, that we'd know the hope that is ours, we'd know how precious we are to him, that we'd know his incomparably great power for us. It's like the power that rages from the dead. Oh, Father, help them to see it. Help them to know it. These are great, elevating prayers, aren't they? It's what it means to pray in line with the Spirit. Uh, this is the, 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 the sword of the Spirit. Take it up. Use it. Believe it. Pray it. Pray in the Spirit. And, well, what more does it mean? Well, turn over to chapter 3. It gives them another prayer, 3.14. There's enough in that last prayer for a whole month, I reckon. And so you got uh, January sorted out. Now, February. What do you do in February? Well, look at chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. So he, he, he kneels before God in prayer, and this is what he prays for them. He prays, uh, in essence, verse 16, that they would be strengthened with power, again, through the work of the Holy Spirit inside their lives and as, as God's people, so that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith. He prays that they would be strengthened to know the indwelling Christ in their church. Why do we gather? Why do you gather Sunday by Sunday? It's great to see one another, isn't it? It's great to catch up with friends, to be encouraged in that way. But you know what? We meet to meet with Christ, to know Christ better. And this indwelling Christ, well, yes, it could be in our individual lives, but he's speaking to them as a church that you together would know Christ living and ruling and reigning amongst you as a church. Do you ever dare pray things like that? What wonderful things to pray. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. And, and he prays on that, that verse uh, 17, that, that being rooted and established in love, you will have power. You need power to, to grasp the width and length and height and depth of the love of Christ. You need power together with all the saints to get how big is the love of Jesus. To know this love that surpasses knowledge that you would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is what he's praying for their church. That they would know nothing less than this, the fullness of the living God. Do you remember that? It's an outrageous prayer. It's an amazing prayer. It's a glorious prayer. Now, when you're not a Christian, well, church must be very dull, you think. How boring. Why would people give up a, a good morning for playing golf to, get, to go to church? Well, because playing golf is useless compared to knowing the fullness of the glory of God. What a, what a great thing to know the love of Christ in greater depth as I gather with God's people. What a privilege to meet with Christ and to know the fullness of God. This is what it means to pray in the Spirit, to pray such outrageously big things for God's people. And you know what I love about the Bible is it's so real and practical, isn't it? Because you know what? I worry about stuff. Do you worry about stuff? 
you know, I do. I worry about stuff all, all the time. I kind of, kind of, my mind sort of starts worrying about things. And uh, God's word gives me permission to deal with that. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So maybe you've got issues and stuff in your life that you're really worried about, and really there's not much of a specific promise about it in the Bible. Do you know what God's word says? Bring it to the Lord. You have full permission to, to park all your anxieties, all your cares with the supreme ruler of the universe and lay it at his feet. Go ahead, knock yourself out. He wants you to come, put it on him. Privilege, isn't it? What a privilege. And if we're going to be praying in the spirit, we'll be doing that sort of thing too. We'll be bringing our anxieties and worries and cares before him. And, and, and the verse, Ephesians 6.18, tells us that we should pray in the Spirit on all occasions. In the different stages of life. My, my brother's just had a, his first child. It was hilarious talking to him on the phone. This baby crying in the background. What a pair of lungs this girl has got. And he said to me, Paul, I don't think I'm ever going to sleep again. Not for a long time, Andy. <laughs> Not for a long time. In that occasion, great time to pray. If you're awake, you might as well pray, eh? Not much to do in the middle of the night. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Different experiences that we go through. Pray in times of peace and anxiety, in times of joy and sorrow, in times of want and plenty. Uh, on Sundays, on Mondays, on Wednesdays. When we have a day at home, when we are finding ourselves far away from home in a hotel on business, on all occasions, pray in the Spirit. Constant prayer is what our motto verse encourages us to engage in in this year ahead. But not just constant prayer, constant watchfulness. The second half. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, in the original language, this, this sense of ongoing alertness is there. Uh, I guess the NIV has, has put it on, always keep on praying. But it also has a sense of always be alert, be constantly vigilant. I have to blow my nose. See, the struggle with the powers of darkness, uh, this side of glory, is never-ending. Uh, we have an opponent in the devil who is ever scheming against God's people. Always ready to fire those flaming arrows at his, at his saints, at uh, God's saints. He wants to shipwreck our faith. The Bible describes him as the accuser of the brothers. As the father of lies. He's very skilled at making very plausible lies. And so we mustn't drop our guard. Didn't you love that in the book of Nehemiah? Uh, a challenge. What did they do? Prayed and posted a guard. Uh, great advice by Oliver Cromwell to his troops. Pray to God and keep your gunpowder dry. That's good advice, isn't it? We saw the threat. We prayed and we posted a guard. Another threat. We prayed. And, 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 and the builders were encouraged uh, to have their swords ready 
to meet any potential threat. Well, that's great advice, isn't it? Constant vigilance is needed in our lives to resist uh, the temptations of the world, the devil, and our flesh. There really is no time off. In fact, the most dangerous time for us as Christians is when we're tired and we're exhausted. We get home and we just think, oh, I've been good all day. I, I'm just going to indulge this little sin area of my life. Beware. Constant vigilance. Always be alert. We need to watch for ourselves. But this verse is saying, not just watch for yourself, is it? Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We need each other. Look around this room. We need each other. If we're going to stand our ground in 2012, in this spiritual warfare, we need each other. We need to be always praying and watching over each other if we're going to stand our ground in this year ahead. This is the great blessing of becoming a member of a church, isn't it? That you are known by a group of believers. Welcome, John. It's good to have you back. We're praying for you in Sudan. It's good to have you here. And uh, it's great to know that you are watched over and prayed for by the elders. That's what we do. We, uh, we meet uh, as we're able once a month and we consider the members and we pray. And we do that. Uh, each elder has 30 people that he prays for regularly and, and uh, we, inc- we, we have a membership directory. This is one of the great things. When you become a member, you get a membership directory and so alongside your Bible and all the good things you're going to learn about God's word for yourself, you can then pray that truth also for the members. It's a great privilege. Now, I don't know whether you watch these nature programs, but whenever you see these lions and wolves trying to uh, track down a a herd of animals, what do they do? They try and split the pack up, don't they? And they look for the weakest, youngest, and they they, they try and peel it off and take it down. And do you know what? If if the herd stays together, there's no way that the wolves or the lions are ever going to take them down. Well, we have a great opponent who's described in Scripture as a roaring lion who wants to take people down. And one of the great blessings that that we can engage in as we join a church is we can begin to keep an eye out, watch out for other believers, and pray for them. Ever watchful that Satan is seeking to pull people down. That we can be engaged in this spiritual warfare of praying in the Spirit and being a means of grace to keep people pressing on. Do you remember Bill? That I mentioned at the start? Uh, I, I knew Bill because I was one of the leaders of the Christianity Explained course. And uh, I was there the night he gave his testimony in church. And for whatever reason, I wasn't able to chat to him after church. And as I went home, I just pr- started praying for Bill. Bill just kind of, uh, just the thought that I should be praying for Bill. And uh, I thought, I'm going to call up Bill. I want to encourage him. Just the sense I wanted to do that. So I called up Bill and uh, just thanked him and chatted with him and then I prayed with him and it was only a few weeks later that he told me how significant that conversation was it was only then that I learned how discouraged he had been as he'd got home that he was just thinking about this, this awful thought let's just go out and get drunk and forget all this and that, that, that by God God's grace somehow he prompted in me just to call him up 
I've been praying for him and then just to encourage him and to pray for him on the phone that that's what he needed to go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stand for Jesus. See, actually, the, the, the means of God's grace in this chapter is not just the means of prayer, but also the means of an encourager like Tychicus. My dear brother, he's going to come and encourage you. Now, this is just one of the great blessings of being part of this church, isn't it? In this year ahead, if we're going to stand our ground, do you know the Lord will use us? You may not be called Tychicus, although it's a cool name. Um, he can use you to do the ministry of a Tychicus. We can be praying for one another, being watchful over each other's lives, and encouraging each other to keep pressing on. Constant prayer, constant watchfulness. That's our motto verse for 2012. And this is what the Lord Jesus taught us, wasn't it? I mean, the Lord Jesus, this is what he would say to us today. He would say exactly the same thing that he said to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Watch and pray. That's the means by which you will not fall into temptation. And so the question is today is, how are you going to respond to that in this week? Are you going to listen to Jesus or not? Well, the disciples didn't listen that night, did they? They'd had a big meal. They drank some wine. And it was a, a long evening. And they just fell asleep. And so when Judas came with the troops, they were unprepared. Uh, they responded badly. And in the end, they ran for their lives, leaving Jesus all on his own. And yet Jesus, he instead had wrestled in prayer, didn't he? Before the Father. We're going to come and think about it as we come to the, the cup and, and the bread, as we think about his body broken and his blood shed for us. And he knew that it was more than just that physical pain and suffering. It was the fact that he was going to have to drink the cup of God's wrath. That he, the righteous one, would have to bear the penalty and the price for sin. If, it's, if there's any way, can you take this cup from me? And yet these glorious words, yet not my will, but yours be done. He wrestled in prayer. And so he was ready. And he did not run. And he went willingly to the cross for you and for me. For the times when we have failed to watch and pray to cover all our sin. What a great Savior. What a great Lord. So what are you going to do? What are we going to do in this year ahead? Pray with all prayers and requests at all occasions, with all perseverance, praying for all the saints. What are you going to do? Well, I've asked Moira, uh, who works in the office, to provide a membership directory for every member. And it's down there in the lounge. So very practically, uh, this is what you can do today. You can go down there, pick up your packet. Your name's on it, so we know if you haven't done it. Oh, yes, we'll know. We'll send it to you. You're going to get it. And... Uh, what I, what I encourage you to actually, as you read your Bible every day, just pick a verse in there and just, just, just pray for one page of people. You might not know them yet. It's a great way to get to know people. And pray that truth for the people on the list. Just, just one page and just go to the next page the next day. 
It's a great way that we'll get to know one another. More significantly, it is a way that we can engage seriously in this, uh, this command of Scripture, that we should, uh, this necessity of prayerful watchfulness over each other. If you want to know how to pray for pastors and for our mission partners well, uh, and our evangelists, well, verse 19 and 20 is always a good one. Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I would declare it fearlessly as I should. That's a great thing to pray for preachers and pastors and evangelists, isn't it? That we would preach the gospel boldly and clearly. It is in your interest to pray for the preacher at Charlotte Chapel, isn't it? Let's face it. You don't want to come to a dud week, do you? So get into prayer. Pray for the preachers as well. Pray that we preach it boldly and clearly. And if you're not a member here today, uh, what's holding you back? Um, if you're a Christian, what's holding you back? You could join the fighting force here at Charlotte Chapel. We need a few more soldiers. We need, need a few more people who will be watchful prayers over this flock. Uh, Paul, in the book of Colossians, which is kind of a letter similar to Ephesians in many ways, he describes Epaphras in this wonderful way. Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you in Colossae, he says. He's always wrestling in prayer. It would be a great thing to have a few more Epaphrases and Tychicuses, Tychicai, in our church. And there's going to be a motto card for you to stick on your fridge to remind you. Can I encourage you, why not set aside this week? If you're just basically going to be staying at home watching tally, get someone to record it for you and come out and pray. When you come out and pray this week. Certainly on the nights where you would normally engage in ministry, come that night and we're going to pray for those different areas of ministry. But why? if you've got nothing else better to do, why don't you come? Pray. I never want to go to a prayer meeting. Never. I can always think about things I want to do. It never feels like a really fun thing to do, does it? Or is it just me who thinks that? I never leave a prayer meeting thinking it was a waste of time. I never. But I have this weird amnesia that I forget that next time next the prayer meeting comes along, I think, oh, prayer meeting. But I go away and think, oh, I'm so glad I went to the prayer meeting. I'm like a goldfish. Are you like that? You forget how good it is. Well, unless you've got something really important, why don't you come out and pray this week? Let's pray, shall we?